This morning we have a message from Pete Sims, one of our senior leaders. I happen to be married to him so I have an awful lot of inside information. I can tell you a few facts about Pete. Firstly, he brings fun to everything. He makes us laugh so much in this family and he's always got a funny story up his sleeve. Secondly, he is a man of integrity. He walks the talk. And thirdly, he loves Jesus and he genuinely loves other people. And I know this morning he will be sharing from that position of love and what he has to bring will strengthen us and it will equip us for the days ahead. So why don't you open your hearts as Pete brings his message. Welcome, Pete. Good morning, Skylark Church, Skylark International, and anyone else who's watching. I so wish that as I spoke to you today, this was a two-way camera and I could see your lovely faces, but I trust you're well and I hope you're doing good. Today's message, I really want to bring some, some strength to you and some, some encouragement really that we can get through this together and with God. For the last couple of months, we've been looking at sharing Jesus. It's been following on from our theme of knowing him, loving him, following him, and now sharing him. And it's a great theme, and we've been really enjoying looking at it together, haven't we? It's been challenging, and there have been so many insightful ways of looking at sharing him. But today, here we are, day four of lockdown two in England. And I just want to take a break from the theme and talk about something completely different. I want to talk about encouragement. You see, I think we all need a bit of encouragement at the moment, don't we? How are you guys doing? If we were sitting down together for a cup of coffee, what would your story be at the moment? Are you feeling buoyant? Perhaps you're feeling good. You've got this. Perhaps you're the other end of the spectrum and you're completely over COVID. You're fed up with it all. You're a bit despondent. You're feeling like there's not much to look forward to. You're missing your family and your friends and the horizon does not look too appealing to you. See, I don't want to put words or ideas in your head or into your mouth, but it seems to me like when we went into the first lockdown, we were really united as a nation. We were taking on this common enemy. It was an unknown time, but we were going into it in unity. And now this second lockdown, it feels like there's so much more division around, like our unity has been attacked. There's division of opinion, of understanding, of thoughts of what we should and shouldn't do. It's such a difficult time. I also feel like because it's not unknown anymore, it's a bit more familiar, it's harder to go back in for a second time. Yeah, I definitely think we could all do with a little encouragement at the moment. And I take a great deal of comfort from the book of Psalms. And I know that many of you do. You do too. You see, in quite a few of the Psalms, it's really clear that the writer, David, is having a bad time. The Psalms often have that reality of difficulty and yet through the, the, the persecution and the hardship, David still reaches a place of hope, rejoicing, faith and praise. Let me give you an example from Psalm 55. It begins with this. God, listen to my prayer. Don't hide your heart from me when I cry out to you. Come close to me and give me your answer. Here I am, moaning and restless. 
I'm preoccupied with the threats of my enemies and crushed by the pressure of their opposition. They surround me with trouble and terror. My heart is trembling inside my chest, he says, as the terror of death seizes me. David is in a bad place at the start of that psalm, isn't he? Let's look at another one in Psalm 69. God, my God, come and save me. These floods of trouble have risen higher and higher. The water is up to my neck. I'm sinking into the mud with no place to stand. I'm about to drown in the storm. Do you feel like you might be drowning a bit at the moment? You're in good company. David brought those same concerns to God. And yet by the end, he's able to say, when your miracle rescue comes to me, it will lift me to the highest place. Then my song will be a burst of praise to you. And then towards right at the end of the psalm, let all the universe praise him. The high heavens and everyone on earth praise him. How does he get from the despair to the hope? What happens in David's heart? I want to learn from David today and I want to, all of us to learn something from him today. You see, David is really good at acknowledging the situation, but he doesn't allow himself to dwell in it. More of that to follow. So today, I don't want to gloss over some of the disappointment, some of the difficulty, some of the frustrations and some of the fears that 2020 may have brought to your door. I know about David's frustrations and fears because he wrote them down, he brought them to God. I want us to pause for a moment and just to think, yeah, it's been difficult. I have had frustrations and disappointments and difficulties and there may be some fears that lie ahead and I'm going to bring it to your door, God. Okay, now it's time for some encouragement. The verb to encourage, if you pronounce it with a French accent, I will try my best, encourage, in the 1300s, right back then, it meant your heart, the seat of your emotions. And a definition from the 1300s was this. Encourage is valour. It's quality of mind which enables one to meet danger and trouble without fear. I need some of that today. I need some valour in my heart. I need quality of mind which enables me to meet danger and trouble without fear. And in modern French, the middle part of the word, cour, it still means heart today. So today I hope to put some courage in you to strengthen your heart, to fill you with valour, to fill you with a quality of mind that enables you to meet danger and trouble and lockdown and the unknown without fear. Let's go back to David again. I want to pick up uh, not one of the Psalms, but part of his journey, part of his life. It's recorded in the first book of Samuel, chapter 30. I'm just going to set the scene for you. David has been away with his men in battle and he comes back to his home city with his men. And he finds that the city has been burned to the ground. Look it up yourself. As I said, 1 Samuel 30. And when they get closer to the city, they see that all of the women and children have been carried off. Just let that sink in for a second. The men return and all of the women and children have been carried off by the opposing army. What happens? The scripture says that David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. 
Then what happened next? The men turned against David. How difficult for David. He had lost people to the marauders too. His family had been carried off. He was in the same boat. And yet once they'd wept until they had no strength left to weep, they turned on David. They wanted to stone him to death. And the Bible says, understandably, he was greatly distressed. It's probably one of those huge uh, understatements of the Bible. But then it says this short little verse, David found strength in the Lord his God. In other translations, it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He'd come back, leading his army back to the city, which was now destroyed and women and children were gone and his life was being threatened. But yet he still encouraged himself in the Lord. Have you ever encouraged yourself? We can be quite good at encouraging others, can't we? And in fact, we're called to do that. And that's a great thing. I'll speak on that some other time. But have you ever encouraged yourself? It sounds a bit strange until you start to think about it for a while. And I did that. And I realised that I've done it so many times. Come on, Simsy. You've got this. Come on, you can do it. I remember uh, when I was uh, head of year... And we took the kids at the end of the year away to one of those activity centres. And, you know, all doing high wire stuff and what have you. And there's this horrible one where you have to kind of climb what looks like a telegraph pole. You ever done that? Um, you just climb and climb and climb. And at the top, there's a tray. It's about the size of a dinner tray nailed to the top of the telegraph pole. And you just have to climb onto it and then jump and catch a rope. Now, I remember climbing up the ladder and then climbing up this telegraph pole thing with all of my year group on the floor below me laughing at me, jeering. You know, I just wanted to throw things at them, but I didn't have anything. Um, but I was hoping some birds might come past and help me. But either way, there I am up there and they're like, oh, Simsy, you're never going to do it. And I was thinking, I am going to do it. Come on, Simsy, you've got this. And I'm encouraging myself. As you go higher, this thing starts to shake a bit more. And when you get to the top of your climb, there's the little tray at head height. And you think, how do I get on that? And you, try, you lift one leg up and you realise it's shaking like crazy. And you're like, come on, come on, Sims. Don't do it. Pete, you've got to get up here. All the kids are laughing and you encourage yourself and you encourage yourself. And I did manage to get onto this ridiculous tray in the end and jump off and catch and all was well. But I have encouraged myself so many times playing volleyball and it's near the end of the game and, and, and you know it's an important serve. You can't hit it into the net and you just sort of talk to yourself. I've got very fast, haven't I? I'm very excited. Um, you talk to yourself and say, come on. Come on, you've got this, you've got this. Just same as always, same as always. Bit of mental rehearsal, bit of talking to yourself and encouraging yourself. I've done it so many times. We've shown you a video of Aria when she was learning to jump into a swimming pool. Do you remember her little voice when she said, I can do it. I'm just a little bit scared, but I know I can do it. One, two, I'm going to do it. And she kept encouraging herself until she jumped in. And it is really good in these times to encourage yourself, to say to yourself, come on. Simsy, or insert your own name there, you can do this. You can get through this. I know you can do it. Come on. You're strong enough. It's really good to encourage yourself. And some of you don't yet know Jesus. And until this point, maybe that's all you've done. But from today, I'd like to let you know that you too can encourage yourself in the Lord. And that is so much more powerful than just encouraging yourself. 
You see, David didn't just say, come on, David, you can get through this. You've got this. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, how did he do it then? The verses don't actually tell us. They don't go on to say David encouraged himself in the Lord by doing these three steps. But I believe that in the Psalms, that book of songs that he wrote, it tells us how he learned to encourage himself in the in the Lord. And so I just want to pick out a few things from the Psalms that I've noticed. The first encouragement to you would be this. Press in, don't pull back. Particularly in our worship, our prayer and in our reading the Bible. You see, there's a natural tendency for us to pull back and to retreat when the going gets tough. And in some areas, that's okay. We need to be kind to ourselves. We've had that message already. But can I encourage you to try to not pull away and pull back from God? Keep pressing into him. Don't pull back. David did that. He always pressed in. How do we know that he was having a hard time? Because he wrote it down and we've read it. He didn't take that away somewhere and hid. He actually brought it to God. God, I feel like I'm drowning. God, I feel like I'm having the worst time ever. Where are you? He pressed in. Can I encourage you to press in? Can I also encourage you to do something else David did? And that is to lift your eyes from your situation. David in one of the Psalms said, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help, it comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, what we focus on, we magnify. I don't want to spend my time magnifying my despair and my frustration and my disappointment and my hurts and my fears. I want to lift my eyes as David did to the hills up to heaven, knowing that my help comes from him. What else can we learn from David in encouraging ourselves in the Lord? We don't deny the reality, as I said earlier, but we also don't dwell there either. Psalm 23, as you know, that's my favourite. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, walking through the valley, not even though I pitch my tent in the middle of the valley, no. Even though I walk through the valley, you are with me. So know that as you walk through these difficult times, I keep doing this, he is right with you, okay? He is with you in the valley. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me, will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're not made to dwell in the valley, we dwell with him. We live there. We pitch our tent with him, even though we may have to walk through some difficult times. So can I encourage you? Don't deny the reality of how you're feeling, but don't dwell there either. Press in, keep your eyes up and know that we dwell with Jesus. Also, what did David do? He was brilliant at reminding himself of the goodness of God and his promises. Can I encourage you to do the same? To remind yourself of how good God is and his promises over your life. There are so many I can't possibly go into it in the remaining time. Spend time pressing into him. And the final way we can encourage ourselves in God is by using the word of God. Well, what does that mean? That sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? That, that could sound a little bit religious. To encourage ourselves with the word of God. 
before I do explain that to you, I'd just like to talk a bit about a prophetic picture. Now, I don't often do this in a message. I actually can't recall when I last did. But I think that God has given me a picture that as I've shared it with people has been really important and profound for them in these times. So I think it's timely. I think it's important that I share this message with you. So we were having a meeting with the VLT, the leadership team in the church, um, in the auditorium, spread out two metres apart. Uh, we only met there once indoors, actually, during this whole lockdown period. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And here we are locked down again. But in that time, we were praying together. And I had this picture suddenly in my mind of this really light sheet of voile material. If you don't know what voile is, nor did I, it's um, a bit like a very fine neck curtain. The thinnest sheet you could imagine sort of floating out of the sky, okay? So I had a picture of this voile coming down and landing on me and landing on us and actually landing on the entire country. And as I was sitting there, I saw myself wearing the armour of God. You know, I had the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, I had my shield of faith, I had the shoes, but the sword of the spirit was in my hand, but the tip of the sword was on the floor. So I was just holding the handle and sort of tapping the sword, bouncing it on the floor. That picture of the armour, by the way, that's from Ephesians 6. Okay, do have a look at Ephesians 6. Again, I don't have time to go into all of the armour of God if you've never heard of it before, but it's really fascinating and really important. So in this picture, I have the sword in my hand. And then I feel encouraged by God to lift it up over myself. And as I do, the descending voile just comes and touches the tip of the sword and it splits in half. And suddenly I am not underneath this voile at all. It is around the floor and I am completely free of it. Then I, I noticed other people in the team were being encouraged to lift their swords up too. And as they touched the voile, it split. Then we joined our swords in the middle of the picture. This was all happening in my mind and in my spirit. And we were holding these swords and the, the, this voile was just falling to the floor. And then the church of Jesus across the country started to do it. And we were able to do it for other people as well, not just for ourselves. It was such a, a powerful picture because this light sheet that was coming down was actually a sheet of heaviness. A sheet of feeling overwhelmed or lethargic. Most importantly, I felt that it was a sheet of despair. And I feel that that is the tactic of our enemy at this time. To lay this sheet over the whole country. That's just a bit heavy, a bit over it all, a bit lethargic and a bit despairing and fearful. Most of us in the picture couldn't see it and we weren't aware of it even though we felt its effects so that was my picture and as I've looked into this the sword of the spirit in Ephesians 6 is the word of God and as heaviness may be descending on you at the moment or despair may be descending or whatever you're feeling that weight of at the moment the weapon to wield is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. OK, so what does that mean then? Well, the word of God could mean many things. And first of all, I want to look at the spoken word. OK, the spoken word that God has said over you in particular. 
Hopefully this will bring you encouragement in the Lord at this time. You, listening to this message today, are treasured. You are precious. You are loved. Did you know that the God of heaven sings over you and rejoices when you wake up in the morning? He is the lifter of your head when you're feeling down. Do you know that you are valuable? Do you know that you are needed and wanted and you are an overcomer? The list goes on. Many of us may know those things, but we may just be tapping the sword on the floor. It's time to wield this weapon. Wield the weapon of the word of God, the spoken word of God. Hold it up and it will cut effortlessly, effortlessly. You don't have to be strong and it's not like painting the ceiling and your shoulders are killing you. Just hold it up and it will cut through the enemy's tactic for heaviness at this time. The word of God is also Jesus himself, the name of Jesus, who he is. Hold up that sword and remember that he is strong and he is mighty and he is powerful. Remember that there is no name greater than Jesus. Remember that at his name the demons flee. Remember that one day every knee will bow down before him and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Hold that up. He is our victory, our strength, our joy and our peace. He is your victory, your strength, your joy and your peace during lockdown number two. You need to wield that weapon, not just have it tapping on the floor or maybe away in the cupboard somewhere with dust on it. Hold it up and see it cut through what the enemy is trying to do. And finally, the word of God is the Bible, the scriptures. When Jesus was in the wilderness and the enemy came against him, what did he do? He knew the word of God. He knew how to speak out the word of God into different situations. He could say to the enemy, I see the situation around me. I hear you're taunting, but the word of God says this. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We need to know the word of God. We need to use it and declare it at times like this. We need to know the spoken word of God, the name of Jesus and our Bibles. And we need to use them. Don't have them on the floor. Lift it up. Otherwise, what I saw was layer after layer after very fine layer would just keep descending. We wouldn't really feel it descending until we felt its effects and felt that our we were a bit crushed and a bit downcast. Just like David would say, oh, why is my soul so downcast within me? The enemy wants us to be held down. And you'll be fine under there for a while. I remember when I was a kid, I, you know, on a cold night, I'd get underneath the duvet, like completely under the duvet. But I could never sleep with my head in there. There came a point when almost panic hit me. I just couldn't bear being under there anymore. And I had to get out. We need to get out and we need to cut ourselves free from the oppressive work of the enemy at the moment. In Hebrews 4, it says that the word of God, the word of God that we're speaking about, is sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And I could see that because when I lifted up this, the word of God, the, the sword of the spirit, it cut effortlessly. It was the sharpest sword ever. 
and the, pa the Passion Translation of Ephesians 6, where it's talking about the armour of God, uses the phrase, the razor-sharp spirit sword. And this was the same word that was used, apparently, for a close combat sword that the Romans had. That was razor-sharp, and that fits. It really was razor-sharp. You just need to hold it up. And we need to also hold it up for those whose arms are so weary at this time that they can't do it. Hey, if that's you at the moment, know that you are part of a church family and a family of believers who will lift up their swords at this time over you to protect you from the plans of the enemy, all right? So don't, if you've got no energy to do anything at the moment, that's okay because we have the energy to carry you at this time. It's not hard work for us, church, to hold up this sword, but we've got to lift it up, okay? So allow me and God, as I come into close, to encourage you today to put heart and strength into you. How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? You know that you walk through the valley, but you don't live there. You remember to lift your gaze and see him. You remind yourself of his goodness. You press in and you don't back off. And you lift up the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. I want to read a few verses from Psalm 43 to finish, where once again, David finds himself in a difficult place, but he's able to come through the other side. Here it is from Psalm 43. Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of, of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my saviour and my God. I'd love to pray for us all today. Lord, we thank you for David and we thank you that he was so real in bringing his pressures, his difficulties, his fears and his discouragements to you. And we choose to do the same today. Lord, we recognise that we will walk through valleys in our lives, but we don't need to dwell there. Thank you that as we go through difficulties, you are always with us. We choose today, Lord, to lift our eyes and to see you to know that our help comes from you and we magnify you during this time. We remind ourselves of your goodness and your faithfulness to us, Lord. We remind ourselves that we were designed to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, give us the courage and the obedience and the strength to press in and not back off when things are going tough. And we choose today to lift up the sword of the Spirit that is the spoken word of God. That is you, Jesus, and it is the written word of God in the Bible against the attack of the enemy. And we also choose to remember those who don't have the strength at the moment and to hold their arms up, to cut through the work of the enemy in their lives as well as in our own. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, 
my saviour and my God. Lord, that's what we choose to do. Put our hope in you and to praise you again, our saviour and our God. In Jesus' name, amen.